millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In manufacturing, you need to automate intelligently to compete effectively. But not all automation solutions are created equally. AGVs and AMRs driven by Bluebotics Ant technology offer robust, accurate performance and native interoperability. Because your material handling can be smarter. Visit antdriven.com. That's antdriven.com to learn more. Welcome to another episode of Why Would You Tell Me That? I'm joined. I was going to say on the line, but you know, we've got better technology than that now in the virtual room by my co-host extraordinaire Dave Moore. How are you? I'm very good and I should introduce you as well. This ladies and gentlemen is Neil Delamere talking to me. So it's your turn to wow me. I've told you amazing things. What are you going to impress me with? I'm going to tell you what the most important number in the world is. And I realize that's a big claim, but that's what's going to happen. Now I should say, I'm not going to tell you. Our expert is going to tell you what the most important number in the whole world is. And I think it might shock you. Really? I don't think it's a number you're going to think of. Well, there's a couple of obvious ones. Three is a magic number, obviously. Yeah, true. Uh, 42, uh, meaning life. Everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but I mean, if it's not one of those two, and there's a lot of other numbers to pick from, Dave. <laughs> there are a few. I'll, I'll no, give you, I, there are a few numbers in the world. I want to I bring some numbers to you now, some numbers okay. that are important, okay? We all know zero and one are important. Everything, in fact, you just said we have technology now, we can see each other and talk to each other, and people are listening to this through ones and zeros. It's a digital world, man. It's binary. One of my favorite t-shirts of all time is one I bought about 15 years ago that says there are 10 types of people in the world. Those, those who understand, understand binary, binary and those, and who, those don't. who don't. Yeah, You're talking yeah. to a computer science degree holder here. <laughs> yes. I saw that joke before you were even born, my true, friend. True, true. Uh, so, yeah, so, the, like, so they're obviously very important numbers. Three, you're right, actually, is an important number, not because it's the magic number, no more, no less, but because we live in a three-dimensional world. Well, at least the way we understand the world is a three-dimensional world. We have up, we have down, and we have sideways. I'm sure that's not the scientific terms for the dimensions, <laughs> but they're the ones I'm going with. And then there's 300,000. You know why that's important? Um, is it the number that they've decided of Fast and the Furious films that they're eventually <laughs> going to make? Yes. Is it the lineup changes of the Sugar Babes? I can go on all day for this. No, it's none of those things. 300,000 kilometers per second is the speed, speed of light. Yes, there you go. And to give you an idea of how far 300,000 kilometers is, the moon is just over. 300,000 kilometers away. It's actually 1.3 light seconds away. So that's a, that's a light second. Like it takes light a second to travel from the moon to your eyeballs. I mean, yeah, if the moon existed. Oh, I see. We're on that now. Yeah, <laughs> this is a conspiracy podcast. <laughs> if the moon wasn't a soundstage in Nevada, <laughs> like we all notice. Okay, that's, there's some impressive numbers. They are yeah. impressive numbers. Another thing I wanted to talk about in terms of numbers are... 
the big numbers because big numbers kind of freak me out when you start measuring things like the stars in the galaxy the galaxies in you know our observable universe i don't know atoms in the universe particles grains of sand the ways of dealing decks of cards all of a sudden the numbers get really 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 big you love all this stuff oh my god this stuff just i don't know it keeps me awake at night in a really good way i just start thinking about these things i've heard one of my favorite facts on earth is there are more molecules in a glass of water right than there are glasses of water in all of the water on earth how big is the glass <laughs> it's a novelty glass it's the size of panama no <laughs> No, literally a drinking glass. If I said to you, Neil, I want you to go and here's a bucket. I want yeah. you to empty the oceans using this glass. And you were to literally count as you put one, two. It would take you a couple of years, I would imagine, to do this. But there are more molecules in that one glass of drinking water than there are glasses of water in the oceans and rivers and lakes of Earth. And this keeps you awake at night. In a really good way, because I think about it and I think... That's a wet dream. <laughs> <laughs> that is. You're such a strange man. Okay, now that's kind of blown my mind. That is kind of blown my and, mind. And the same applies to air. So there are more molecules in a breath of air. Of you inhaling a breath of air, blowing out a breath of air, there are more molecules in that breath than there are breaths of air in our atmosphere. All of the air, there's more molecules in one breath than there is all of the breaths. And it's just, it's insane. And, and that's, this is the stuff that keeps me excited. Um, then very quickly, let's get on to money, because we always talk about money. Bezos, Gates, Musk, these are rich people. They have tens of hundreds of billions of dollars of wealth. That's nothing. That is nothing. There was a fella, and I don't mean a fella back in ancient Mesopotamia who yeah. had a cathedral of gold. That, that in today's money, it would no. I mean, recently yeah. there was a lad, and his name is Chris Reynolds, and okay. he is by far the richest person that has ever lived. And I know you've never heard of him, and the reason you've never heard of him is because PayPal accidentally credited his account. Are you ready for this? With <laughs> ninety-two quadrillion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> what this fella right this fella used to sell bmw car parts on the side for a bit of a something to do on the weekends yeah and he once sold a set of bmw wheels worth a thousand dollars and this was the most that had ever been in his paypal account and he was like so proud of it and then he you know you start to buy things with paypal and the balance ran down he had 140 something dollars in his in his paypal account and then he logged in one day and he went uh i'm sorry what <laughs> and like, I can't even remember how many zeros is a quadrillion, but it's like 92. And then in three zeros, it was like about 15, three zeros. And it was some someone in PayPal had obviously made a huge mistake. And they had credited this one fella, Chris, 92 quadrillion dollars. OK, OK. Now, there's a couple of places to start with this. First of all, richest person in the world. Yeah. Um, you're right about Bezos. You know, you see those articles. I saw the headline on the paper a while ago, and it said, by the time you finished reading this article, Jeff Bezos will have earned another million euro, mm, right? Mm. So I didn't read it. Because <laughs> we all have to do our part. <laughs> no, no, listen. If nobody reads it, if, you know, he doesn't make any more money. Yeah, I, think that's that's, I think that's how the math works, right? <laughs> the maths, I, sh I should have said. I yeah. immediately thought of our American listeners and said math. That's fine. Maths. Do that, do that. Okay. 
that's the first thing. So second, secondly, yeah, all right, ninety-two quadrillion. I mean, I'm just trying to think what I would do with that. You know, these people who go, ooh, oh, if I won the lotto, I'd still work. You know, these yes. people? Yes. Dave, I wouldn't even finish this podcast. No. If I, no. if an alert came on my phone that I had won any meaningful sum of money, <laughs> you would look across and the, the chair would just be spinning, you know, <laughs> and my dog, my dog would be sitting in the seat barking. 92 quadrillion, like, did he... Do anything? What could you do with that? Like you could pay off a national debt of a, that's, of a country. You could you say that. That's literally what he said. If because obviously, very quickly, PayPal realized their mistake. They they uncredited him. They got in touch and they said, "Listen, we've made a terrible error." You know, obviously, you don't have ninety-two quadrillion dollars in your. Pay Where are you right now? I'm at an ATM. <laughs> yeah. But what they did do was they made a charitable donation in his name, which I think was probably fair. But also, he was interviewed, obviously, by all the local news, and everybody wants to know, "Hey, Chris, what would you have done?" Which right. is such a ridiculous question with ninety-two quadrillion dollars. And he actually said he would have paid off America's national debt. Ah, that's so boring. So that boring. So boring. I there's somebody who made that mistake. I'd love to be the boss, just bringing the person in. Gum. So it's time for your um, it's time for your review. <laughs> your quarterly review. Your quarterly review. Now, I mean, you hit most of your targets. You're very punctual. You did very well. Just one slight little flying. You you did accidentally give away the entire net worth of the company. And several other companies and the most money that's ever been given to an individual. <laughs> yeah, literally all the money in the world that's ever existed, I don't think, without a 92 quadrillion. Do you think when it happened, like Elon Musk or whoever's the richest person in the world just sat up in bed and went, something's wrong. I feel a great disturbance in the force. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Wow. So anyway, the poor fella, Chris. You have no legal standing. No, you don't. Yeah, because, I mean, you'd have to actually have some claim to the money, which, unfortunately, Chris didn't. As I said, he just sold BMW car parts. Uh, Look, very quickly, before we finish up part one, I want to tell you about uh, one of the most important numbers in the world, which is 10 to the power of 100. And that is a 10 with 100 zeros after it. Okay. That's called a Google. G-O-O-G-O-L. And the misspelling of... Google gave us Google. Exactly. Exactly. They wanted a name for the company. They were, you know, thinking of let's name it after something a little bit scientific, a little bit nerdy, but, you know, and they gave us Google, not Google. But that's a good, right? So look, we all know that's big, right? So to try and explain how big that number is, if you were to think of all of the particles, and I mean, think about how small a particle is, okay? Think about how many particles there are in you, Neil. Okay. Uh, think about how many particles there are in me, in this room you're sitting in, in the country. In, you're you taller than me, so there's I more in you. Okay. Probably a couple more particles, yeah. Okay. Wider as well. Uh, think about then the, 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 the universe. All of the particles in the universe. A Google hmm. is 10 to the 19 times bigger than all of the particles in the observable universe. This number should be hurting your head right now. What's the point in a number that big? Well, interestingly... What's it, what do they use it for? There are a couple of things they use these kinds is of it, numbers for. Is it the price of four Mac 3 Gillette razor blades? <laughs> four packets. Yeah. Four packets is a Google. Yeah. <laughs> but then there's a bigger number. There's oh. a Googleplex. <laughs> and a Googleplex does sound like a terrible cinema where you just go in and look at search engine results. But a Google- <laughs> <laughs> it's better than the Bing screen, in fairness. <laughs> That's true. But a Googleplex is 10 
to the power of a Google. And I love this. If you were to write the number of zeros, if you were to write a zero on every particle Ah, in the observable universe, there wouldn't be enough to put the zeros on it. There aren't enough particles in the universe. Who comes up with this stuff? Scientists, man, they're flexing on us. They're giving them names like Googleplex. And then, and then, and then, and then, there's a number called (laughs) Skew's number, okay? Which dwarfs the Googleplex. Of course it does, yes. And Skew's number is, again, I could be getting this slightly wrong because I'm not a physicist, but I think it's 10 to the 10 to the 10 to the 34. Why, why 34? Why not a 10? I'm sorry, I don't know. Okay, all right. This is what I've heard. And it is the number of, and try and say with me for a second, because this is so complex. It's the number of potential... Bicycles in Beijing. <laughs> her, her song that never quite made it. No, okay. It's not it, patchy enough, Katie. No, it's the number of potential combinations of particles in the universe. So imagine, right, you, you are made of particles. I'm, we're all made of particles. If okay. I took one particle out of me yes. and put it into you and took one particle out of you and put it into me, that's yeah. a combination. That's one combination. Yeah. And there are 10 to the 10 to the... There are a skews number of combinations of particles that we could have in this universe. That's the biggest number I've ever heard of. The, okay. I didn't understand the film Face Off. <laughs> So the chances of me even <laughs> contemplating changing of one molecule from me into you and all the other combinations of that in the world has officially blown my mind. This is a very good start to this to the numbers. It is, and, and I think it's going to only going to get better because we're going to be joined in a couple of minutes' time by a chap called Daniel W. Heber. And Daniel is a very interesting man. He's a linguist but he also knows an awful lot about numbers and he can combine the two and he's going to tell us, Neil, what the most important number in the world is. It's not zero. It's not one. It's not three. It's not 300,000. It's not a Googleplex. It's not SKU's number. There is something else more important than any of those. This will take much less time if he tells us the number and doesn't do what you did and tells us all the numbers that it isn't. (laughs) Is SKU's number the number of downloads that this podcast will get after you do your molecule change thing? It's the potential number of downloads. The potential okay. number of downloads, okay. yes. If we hit SKU's number of downloads, I'll give you $92 quadrillion into your PayPal account. Oh, my God. It's also known as Joe Rogan plus one. <laughs> okay, Daniel's coming up in part. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. In manufacturing, you need to automate intelligently to compete effectively. But not all automation solutions are created equally. AGVs and AMRs driven by Bluebotics Ant technology offer robust, accurate performance and native interoperability. Because your material handling can be smarter. Visit antdriven.com. That's antdriven.com to learn more. Okay, so Neil, now we are joined by a gentleman called Daniel W. Heber. PhD after his name, always very impressive PhD. Uh, Daniel is a diversity linguist, a research linguist, and is the owner of linguisticdiscovery.com. And I discovered linguistic discovery on TikTok, which is where I first saw Daniel. How are you, Daniel? Good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming and thanks for talking to us. I gave Neil a very outlandish first part of this podcast where I spoke about numbers. I spoke about big numbers and things like Google and Google Plexes and all these big, huge numbers. But I told him that all of these numbers were irrelevant compared to one particular number about which you are now going to educate us. So what is the most important number in the world? Well, it's the number 12, of course, obviously. (laughs) 12. Yeah, the number 12 appears all sorts of places where you wouldn't expect it. There are reasons why we have 12 inches and a foot if you're on the imperial system. Eggs are sold in a dozen. It's why there are two 12-hour segments in a day. It's why an hour is broken down into 60 minutes and a minute is broken down into 60 seconds. And those are groups, five groups of 12. So the number 12 is just hidden everywhere around us. And there's a reason for it. It was the weakest oceans film. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah. But apart from that, so why, why is it, why? All of this. Why, Daniel? Why is it so important? Why are all these things broken into groups of 12? Well, it actually all goes back to the ancient Sumerians. So um, in English, we count by tens. So we tend to count, uh, you know, 10, 20, 30, 40, etc. But the Sumerians didn't. The Sumerians actually counted by 60s. So they would have unique numbers all the way up to 60. And then after 60, they would start repeating. So their 60 was like our 10. Okay. But it was convenient to like break that down into groups of 12 as well. And there were various reasons for that. Uh, If you think about counting on your fingers, it's actually really easy to keep track of uh, units of 12 by counting on just one hand. If you, instead of counting your fingers, you count the finger joints. So each kind of little segment of each of your fingers. Thank God, because I I thought you were going to say that don't you, don't you have six fingers like me and the Sumerian? Yeah. (laughs) Banjo music comes in wafting over the breeze in the background and it all gets really awkward from here on in. So they, they counted the knuckle joints. 
Right. They counted the actual kind of uh, finger segments. And so right. you would count with your thumb and you'd count three segments on each finger. And that gives you 12 segments. Oh. And then you could keep track of that on your other hand, but with your fingers. So you have five oh. times 12 and you get yeah. 60. So 60, like, uh, like I know people say this, but literally mind blown. Like, there you go. You've got, <laughs> you've got five on right. one hand and you're counting your 12 finger segments on the other hand. Right. You've documented kind of primary source evidence that that's, this is how they used to count. Yeah, exactly. And we've we've got all sorts of archaeological evidence on the Sumerians going back when, and we know that that even influenced the Babylonians later too. The Babylonians they counted by tens, but they retained this base sixty counting system and this base twelve counting system for all sorts of units of measure for math. That's why, like, they're three hundred and sixty degrees in a circle because it's in units of sixty, okay. six times sixty. Interestingly, it's possible. We don't know for sure, but it's possible that. The uh, Babylonians, kind of through the Phoenicians, also influenced uh, the early Germanic peoples. Have you ever wondered why there are different numbers for eleven and twelve? You don't say uh, one teen and I'm two teen. I'm so happy you brought this up because this is one of this thing has bothered me for my entire life. That <laughs> that that we why why in the hell is there eleven and twelve? Who, who why are eleven and twelve so important that they get their own names and everything else is a teen, a thirteen, a fourteen, fifteen? And I have honestly, we've already talked about what keeps me awake at night, and it's all these strange things. But <laughs> this world hunger, it's no, the names of numbers. 11 and 12 have stressed me out since I was small. So, Daniel, please tell me why 11 and 12 have names. So, uh, the reason why 11 and 12 are different in English is because English is part of this family of languages called Germanic. And all of these Germanic languages originally counted by 12s rather than 10s. And we think what it's possible, we don't know for sure, but it's possible the reason they did that is because of influence from the Phoenicians. They might have just developed it on their, their own. We don't know for sure. But so 12 was just like an important number for counting things at the time. But what would happen is they eventually started being influenced by the Romans and the Catholic Church, and they were using a base 10 system. Mm. So they started counting by 10s, but 12 was still an important number. Right. So you would count, you know, you get to 10 and you're like, okay, well, now we're at 10. And then you get to 11 and be like, oh, 10 and one left over. And that's what the number 11 originally meant. It was originally Andleofen, one, the on meaning one right. left over. And then 12 was two left over, 12 left. Oh my God. Amazing. Amazing. This is what I wanted to know since I was about eight. <laughs> uh, say it to me one more time Andleofen? Yeah, Andleofen. So I'm like layoff is where we get the word left from, like to be left okay. over. Yeah. So it's literally on, one, on, left over. And then on is also where we get words for like alone and only. That's, okay. that's where they come from. Okay, okay. The 12 disciples, the 12 apostles. You know, we know that there's a lot of um, symbolism in the various religious uh -huh. books. Um, and, you, you know, you know, if maybe if you don't know the exact number of things, you you, you make it into three or you make it into 12. Is right. this is this what we would lots of scholars would suggest happened in the Bible? Uh, I well, not being a biblical scholar, I, I don't know. There could be like a more specific reason for this, but it would not be surprising to me at all if the number of disciples was due to kind of the importance of twelve culturally as an important number. Can I ask why did the Catholic Church? Why were they in favor of ten? The Romans, the Latins, they always used ten. Originally, the Indo-European languages were based ten, and so Latin was also based ten. Um, and, and, you know, then that spread through the Catholic church. And then later when Arabic numerals were becoming popular for doing math, that made working in base 10 very easy. So it made that pretty common too. Didn't the Arabs invent zero? 
Yeah. Well, they invented a, a way of notating zero and it significantly simplified math. Like the Romans could do all sorts of mathematical operations using Roman numerals and things, but it was just very tedious. And so uh, it was a really big development. And like about the 1400s, I think, was when Arabic numerals became a big thing. And that had another effect on English, actually. Right. So the, we see that base 12 um, kind of hints of base 12 in other parts of English. Have you ever heard of a long hundred or an old hundred? Yes. I can't remember the so, context now, but I've heard of a long hundred. All right. Yeah. Yeah. A long hundred is 120 of something. Oh, so it's a base 12, not base right. 12. Right. It was base 12. It was a mix of the base 12 and 10 system. So a, a pure base 12 system would be like 144. But what it was is that they were used to base 12 as this important number and multiplying that by 10 gets you 120. Until the 1400s, the word 100 didn't mean 100. It meant 120. Oh, my God. Oh. And how quickly would that change over in the same way that now so uh, because i learned to drive with miles i still right. convert things to miles but we use kilometers in ireland right but right. i would still figure out a distance in miles does that disappear over a couple of generations or do we even know it, it definitely took some some time and what's interesting is the writers were aware of it so we have uh manuscripts from kind of the medieval era so like the gothic bible for example there are little notes in the margins sometimes that these monks who are transcribing these manuscripts copying over these manuscripts and in the margins it would say a word for like say like a hundred a hundred of something or you know 20 of something or 120 of something and there would be notes in the margins that would say tenty wise or 10 wise. And so it would be a note to the readers to say, you need to understand this word 100 as using a 10 count system rather than a 12 count system. Wow. So they were clarifying the the, the number for you, even though, right. because, you, because you, yeah, coming from where you come from, it would have different meanings. Right, exactly. So it, it especially because, you know, most people weren't literate, right? So if anyone was reading this, they were probably coming from a background where they were using this older kind of base 12 influence system. But the writing was very strongly influenced by Catholicism, Catholic Church and the Romans, right? So the writing tended to work in base 10, but everyday use, people were counting things in units of 12s. Are there many languages around the world where you know if so i in the irish language we have a word for uh birch it means two people but uh -huh. do, my, my irish isn't great but daw means two things so there's a different word if you're counting people versus things is that common in languages absolutely yeah we call them classifier systems um some languages will have you have to use different uh, like number counting systems depending on what you're counting um, so that's pretty common in East Asian languages. Um, there are also languages like Navajo, for example, where the entire word, like the verb you're using changes depending on the shape and size of the object. So Navajo, if you have like a flat, flexible object, like a piece of paper, you would, and you were saying it's sitting there, you'd say siltsos. But if you were talking about like a roundish object that were sitting there, you'd say sit-an. And if it were like a long, thin thing, like a pencil or a pen, it would be siti. Right. Wow. Good. So... I, I'm actually, I actually don't know this. I'm going to ask you guys a question. What, how do you say 20 in Irish? Fiha. And how do you say 60 in Irish? Shaska. Shaska. Okay. So that's separate. So I think Irish is now base 10. Irish used to not be base 10. Irish, no Irish used to count not by 12s or 10s, actually counted by 20s. How do you know this? We have to be different. Got to stand out. <laughs> why, why do we count by 20s? Um, it's actually, it makes a lot of sense. You got 10 fingers on each hand and 10 toes. And so if you count up all of your digits, like actually think about the word digit, right? A digit is both like a finger or a toe mm. 
and a unit and unit counting. Number. It's a number. Yeah. So like it's very, very common. So base 12 systems throughout the world like actually aren't super common. They're probably the third most common. But base 20 counting systems actually are very common because you just count up all the digits on a person. If you look at like the um, the Inuit languages spoken in you know the very northern northern edge of North America, most of them are base 20. And the word for 20 looks a lot like the word for person because it came from the person. You said, oh, I got 20 digits. I got a whole person now. So that's one person. And let's count the next person. And then one of my questions again, which is, has just kept me awake for a long time, is the French way of counting. And I realize this isn't to do with the magical number 20. Twelve, but if anyone knows French, six, sixty is fine. You go sixty-eight, sixty-nine, and instead of having a number for seventy, they just go sixty, ten, sixty, eleven, right. sixty, twelve. And you think you think you stop, stop being crazy. You can't have sixty, nineteen. Oh yes, we can. <laughs> then they get to eighty. You have four twenties, and then they go four twenties, one, four twenty, and they keep going. And then by the time it's ninety-nine, it's four twenty nineteen. You're like, this is not okay. You cannot count this way. Believe it or not, that French. You, you, it actually has a mix of both of the base 12 influence and the base 20 influence. Okay. So, so what's going on is French is spoken in the region of Europe that was originally called Gaul. And Gaul, before the Romans conquered it, was inherited by, surprise, Celtic people okay. who were counting by 20s. So it's, that's why 80 is 420. Gotcha. That's a vestige of Based that old way. system. Okay. But the question then is like, why does that only start happening at, after 60, right? Well, it only starts happening after 60 because 60 was that important number in a base 12 system. So French is really cool because it shows an influence of both the base 12 system that they were getting from the Germanic peoples and the base 20 system that they were getting from the Celtic people. And then there's, of course, influence from the Latin language, which was base 10, which it evolved out of. We have vestigial stuff from the uh, the verb, subject, object, and that sort of order. So we still still say, here comes the bride. That's one of those things. And here lies the body, which is those weird things that are left over from how it used to be well one of the best theories about where that comes from too is actually that that was also influenced by the celtic languages so the reason why when we ask questions we have to invert the order of the questions they are like are you running or do you run Mm. um and they think that's because the celtic languages are verb first word order yes and so they think that's due to that influence yeah i have four kids and they're all learning irish in school and one of the most difficult concepts for each of them to grasp is word order. They just, they're so, it's so unfamiliar to them to start with, with the verb. verbs. That's because if you're learning another language, you you go je and you have time to think of how to conjugate the verb. Whereas in Irish, yeah. you can't <laughs> conjugate the verb immediately. You've no thinking time. It's much more difficult. No, no. Right, right. Um, Daniel, you also mentioned 12s uh, at the very start of this conversation of things like hmm. 12 hours in a day, 12 inches in a foot. So those things, is that simply a product of being a base 12 culture or is there are there other reasons why we went for 12 hours, 12 months in a year, that kind of thing? It's, it probably is directly due to the influence from the Sumerians and the Babylonians. So the, the Romans had a system of timekeeping where they would count actually the first hour of the day. So they would talk about the first hour and that would be like 7 a.m. or 8 a.m. because that's when the you know, first hour of daylight. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't until later that they introduced, you know, we had clocks and they introduced like this two 12 hour system. But so originally, if you said like it's the sixth hour, it was actually like, uh, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon or something. And as, yeah, same thing for units of time. Like that all goes to, almost directly back to the Romans. And then Latin had this word uncia, which meant one twelfth of something, again, due to that influence. Mm. And that's where we get the modern word inch. And it's oh, also wow. where we get the modern word ounce through French. French had it as ounce being like a twelfth of something. 
And I know an ounce now is a 16th of something. And that's because they changed the, like how they were measuring it at one point to 16th instead of 12th, but they just kept the original term. I, I know yeah. people, and Neil has a degree in computer science, so I expect him to know all of these, but everybody is is well capable of doubling twos. So two, four, eight, 16. And without thinking about it, you'll go 16, 32. 16. Why? Because it's the gigabytes and the megabytes available <laughs> of storage. Yeah. And you'll, you can easily go like, you, you'll go 128, 256, 512, 1024. You just keep going. Like, you know this. And the only reason you know these is because this is how they sell hard drives. And you go like, but, but this, that is literally the doubling of that too. Right. It's very easy for us to process. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the other funny thing about kind of the history of the uh of the like the base 12 and its influence is uh are you all lord of the rings fans yes huge right so you i'm sure you're familiar with uh bilbo talking about his like what is 11 oh, first he says birthday. yeah he yeah, says yeah. uh oh, i'm a hun my hundred and oh yeah, yeah was, hundred and eleven first or 111th right, or something uh, yeah well tolkien if you didn't know was one of the premier scholars on anglo-saxon literature and he knew all about Old English and he knew about this Old English counting system. And so he incorporated that into his book. And sure enough, at one point, that was exactly how the Old English speakers would have counted. We had wow. a word, teontig, which was tenty, and endleftig, which was eleventy, and twelftig, <laughs> which is twelfty. And yeah. at that point, then we started using other numbers. That is amazing. I love the fact that that creeps into Lord of the Rings. The, the attention to detail from Tolkien <laughs> is just second to yeah. none. Tolkien was quite the Anglo-Saxon scholar. They recently published his translation of Beowulf, which is really, really good. Um, and even his prose, like when he's writing, he tends to not use very many like Latin words. He uses a lot of Germanic words. Oh, yeah. They tend to be shorter. And so it makes his reading, like reading his work feel very dense. It's like it takes a while to read it because he's preferring Germanic words over Latin words. Yeah, he's pretty cool. Do you have a favorite number, Daniel? Oh, I've always been partial to four myself. I hard to say why. <laughs> Just in general. I wanted to know what's your favorite language? Ooh, okay. Well, so as a linguist, I'm not allowed to have a Yes, you are. That's like the parent. That's like the parents and kids one. I mean, what we can do is we can ask what language you've spent most of your career in, which is the answer, but go on. The answer to that, and probably also my favorite, is the Chitimacha language spoken in Louisiana. It is um, spoken by a small tribe kind of in the bayous of Louisiana, like two hours west of New Orleans. And it's an isolate. It's not related to any other language we know of. So it's kind of like Basque. It's just sitting there and it's been there for hundreds, thousands of years that we know of. Um, and it's a pretty remarkable, remarkable story. They, their last native speaker died in 1940 and they kind of thought that was it. Language was gone. And it turns out, um, a couple linguists worked with the last couple speakers during the Great Depression in the 1930s and wrote down 120 stories in this language and put together a little dictionary. And then that just sat in an archive for 70 years. And then at one point, the archive gets in touch with the tribe and is like, hey, we got some stuff in your language. Are you interested? And they're like, what? And they actually sent the tribe a copy, like a digitized version of wax cylinder recordings that this linguist had made in 1932. And so the tribe, for the first time in like 70 years, got to hear their language being spoken again. Oh, my God. Um, yeah. So really incredible. So I actually started working with the tribe in 2008. And we made, based on those archival materials, we made a uh, Rosetta Stone, Chirimacha, you know, the language learning yeah, software, yeah. Rosetta Stone. We did that. And now we're working on a dictionary. And as of a couple of weeks ago, I'm now working with them full time. And we're um, putting together a dictionary and a grammar textbook so that kids on the reservation can learn the language That's again. That's amazing. 
when the indigenous speaker died in 1940, mm-hmm. how did the tribe continue without the language? Was, was that just because English became more important? Yeah, the way a language dies out is generally a multi-generational process. So it took a couple of generations. The Chittimacha, the reason most people have never heard of the Chittimacha is because they were one of the first tribes to really be kind of attacked and wiped out by the French after 1699 when they came to New Orleans. So by 1719, the, the French had already made like conducted war against the Chittimacha and pretty much wiped them out. They were just like okay. a handful of families living kind of hidden in the bayous and they stayed that way until like the 1900s. So um, yeah, and it was just kind of gradual influence from English and French over time. And then yeah. the fact that like the people themselves had kind of been dying off for a while. So, but the tribe now has, I think a couple thousand registered tribal members. They're a federally recognized tribe. So, you know, they're small. They're not like hundreds of thousands of people like Navajo is, but you know, they're a federal tribe and they're, um, I believe the only tribe in Louisiana that's still on their traditional homeland. So okay. the stories that we have are stories about the town that they're in and the neighboring areas. And are any of them now speaking Chittimacha fluently? Yes. I'm, I wouldn't say like fluently yet, but they're getting there. We're working on it. And that's, we're applying for some grant funding to to help with that. There are these cool things called like master apprentice programs where you actually pay people to just learn language and get as fluent as possible for, you know, however many hours a week and they'll try and work on that. But the dictionary helps. We got to get that out yeah. there first because, yeah. you know, you, you have to know what the words are. First. I suppose you have to hope as well that the, the final speakers of it, the people who are recording on the wax cylinder had standard pronunciations had standard like say high german or it's kind of standard american if they had slightly odd accents everybody who learns it after that actually replicates the slightly <laughs> odd accent if you know what I mean, you know because if this podcast is the thing that continues english and we have an awfully accent like from you we are in we are in serious <laughs> trouble accent is the, it's like opera it is the highest form yeah. of english expression david this is the zenith of hiberno english is what you're hearing right now is that what it is yeah yeah yes yeah. <laughs> well you know in linguistics we say all dialects are created equal and it's true they're all equally grammatically valid they just follow slightly different grammatical rules. You know, the grammatical, like the way that, uh, you know, Hiberno English works is slightly different from the way that like mid-Atlantic or Midwestern American English works. And they're, yeah. they're, they're all just as principled, just as rule governed. They all follow patterns and things. It's just those patterns vary from area. We like to say that England so, gave us the language and we perfected it. That's what we like to say. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I personally, because I love the, I love the accent. So, Well, Daniel, uh, this has been phenomenal. I would love to give you a high five, but I feel like I should give you a high 12 for talking to us <laughs> yeah. today uh, and filling us in on all this. It's been absolutely fascinating. Please follow Daniel. Uh, Linguistic Discovery is where you'll find him on TikTok and Instagram, linguisticdiscovery.com. Daniel, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. I appreciate it. <laughs> So, Dave, why would you tell me about the most important number in the world? Because next time you're counting how many listeners there are to this podcast, you'll be able to use the different finger segments on one hand. And then, well, you probably won't need your other hand because I think there's like 12 listeners and most of them are my mom. But hey, <laughs> some people like the podcast, Neil. Some people love it. Oh, he was so interesting, I have to say. I Can I be honest with you? I, w- I went a little bit quiet there because I was really wanted to ask him what... <laughs> I'm such a child. I wanted to ask him, where did the number 5,318,008 fit in? Because it's boobies and I can't get her upside down. I wanted to see if he was going to get it. 
for like five minutes at the end of the podcast, I was trying to type the number out on my phone to see if it was the right number because I had a child. <laughs> but man, that was so interesting. And I, I thought it was, I, I didn't know that as an Irish person that we, we use 20 as We're a base. 20, yeah. I thought it was very interesting that he said the Inuit use 20 as a base as well. And it shows how suited they are to the, their environment, obviously, because they're, have lived there for so many, many thousands and thousands of years. But I would have thought that frostbite counting to <laughs> 20 is, is a dangerous thing. Uh, but it shows that the Inuit are obviously... Yeah. They should have been using base of... four. Two mittens, two boots. Uh, two mittens. Done. Yeah. That's all we have. Uh, yeah, look, I, I just think numbers have always fascinated me. Uh, I'm I'm no good at mathematics, but I'm very good at lying awake at night and going, why, do, why does 11 have a name? So now I know. I'm so happy. All of my you answers. genuinely were happy as uh, well. He, like, properly blew my mind. Well, Dave, prepare yourself, because next week we're going to catch up with my old friend, Simon Watt, who's a biologist who and a, and a brilliant presenter as well. And he's going to tell us about an animal that will make you, well, stay awake for the rest of your life, and <laughs> possibly not in a good way. You'll be just waking up, what was, was that one? <laughs> was that one? Great. I can't wait to be terrified. You know, you love a bit of terror. So uh, join us next week. And if you want us to look into something specific or even just comment on the show, you can get us on Instagram at why would you tell me that? And Dave, you're at at Dave Today FM and I'm at Neil Delamere Comedy all on Instagram. And we're all on um, Twitter and Facebook as well. All right. We will talk to you next time. Bye. In manufacturing, you need to automate intelligently to compete effectively. But not all automation solutions are created equally. AGVs and AMRs driven by Bluebotics Ant technology offer robust, accurate performance and native interoperability. Because your material handling can be smarter. Visit antdriven.com. That's antdriven.com to learn more. Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.